Hello, and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hey, everyone. I'm your host, Chris Sands. And today we have a little bit of a different episode. We're going to be talking about uh, beer, as usual, but also um, about baseball. We're joined by Eno Saris, who, from what I've been told, is in in addition to having a ridiculous amount of knowledge in baseball, is also somewhat of a beer geek. Is that accurate? That's right. That's right. Uh, For a little bit, I ran a beer magazine, um, and I had my own beer website for a while. Uh, and it was super geeky. It was called Beer Graphs. It was a spinoff of Fan Graphs. And we had leaderboards for beers where you could like sort beers by beers above replacement and style plus uh, <laughs> various geeky things like that. So definitely a nerd. <laughs> I, uh, I too briefly ran a uh, beer magazine that crashed and burned about a year ago. <laughs> Alan. I, 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 was, uh, I worked at October. I don't know if, it, if you all know that it was a Condé Nast magazine, but uh, yeah, helped launch that guy. Okay, yeah, they're they're still around. How and long did you do beer graphs for? Uh, Alan, you're not like allowed four... to talk yet. I haven't even introduced you. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Jumping the gun. Also joining uh, us is Alan Etzler, um, one of my coworkers and the, uh, one of the editors at the Frederick News Post. Um, you. Did you ever write for Uncapped? I think you wrote some stuff. Yeah, I wrote for the a magazine. couple things for Uncapped when it first started. Yeah, I loved it. So did I. I'm sad it went, but apparently advertisers didn't. <laughs> um, and yeah. Alan, I think have you have you ever co-hosted? You have you been on Uncapped before? Never been on, never been on Uncapped. Uh, the podcast, at least. I am on Uncut uh, when we had that, and uh, just another sports podcast, which is our sports podcast that we did. Uh, before 2020 blew the world up, um, but yeah, I think this is, I think this rounds out. I have officially been on every Frederick News Post podcast now. C- congratulations, <laughs> um, Alan is here to um, help speak intelligently about baseball when Eno goes into any baseball stuff because I, um, while I was a huge fan in the 90s and into the 2000s, um, I don't follow it nearly as much as I used to. Did, did it fall off as the Orioles got worse? Uh, I've never been an Orioles fan. Oh, okay. um, it's actually worse. I grew up in Pittsburgh, <laughs> so I'm I'm a born and bred Pirates fan. They were actually good after you stopped watching a little bit. But well, I well I, I jumped again. I jumped back onto the bandwagon with them. Oh, good. Then <laughs> when my wife and I would go back to visit, we'd go to game. We started going to games again, and then. Well, now we yeah. just don't go anywhere, so it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're all in our houses. Yeah, so maybe I'll go out to Pittsburgh and watch a Blue Jays game. I don't know. <laughs> they are looking for a home. Um, but before we jump into this, there's um, this is the first time that we're fully talking about this in the public. I'm super excited about it. Um, we'll all be drinking Full Tilt beers today because... Uh, Eno is a friend of the brewery, so uh, Dan sent him an assortment of beers, and the latest iteration of Dan's Jams is going to be called Whoa. Sands Jams. Um, That's amazing. That's so, amazing. And does that say cinnamon? Yeah, so mango? it's like a um, pi- uh, pineapple mango crisp sour. Wow. 
so it'll have uh pineapple mango cinnamon and vanilla that'll that'll i think that'll go either way i have um (laughs) i have i have full faith in jordan uh the brewer there that he's gonna make an amazing beer and at least I yeah, really, Jordan. I really hope so. Since my, not only is my likeness, but my name is on this one too. What was your, what was your involvement in terms of picking the, uh, the type in the, in the situation? Um, so this actually, it was funny. It, it was born from, I was meeting up, Dan and I meet up at Dunkin' Donuts every once in a while for him to, uh, give me beer. So I don't have to drive all the way to, uh, Baltimore. Uh, and he was, it was one of the times, I think it was the Gummy Worms, Dan's Jam. Oh, no, it might so good. Yeah, that was a really good one. Um, yeah. Or it may have been before that one, but I was telling them like, that they needed to come out with Dan's Jam's glassware. Oh, so, yeah. So whenever, um, whenever he went back and told Nick, the other co-owner, and Jordan, the brewer, uh, Jordan was like, well, we got to do a collab and call it Sands Jams now. <laughs> so <laughs> then we were in an um, email chain where we came up with what the fruit was going to be. And and that's really all that there is to come up with this because all Dan's Jams, well, I guess it's just jams now because there's going to be a series of other ones kind of like this. Um, it's the same base beer, and then it's just the adjuncts that change from version to version. Right. Right, right. Also, uh, no banana hammock for you on this one. No, no, full, uh, full shorts. No one, no one, wanted, no, absolutely no one wants to see that. I'm probably not even my wife. <laughs> so, well, it's debatable. We wanted to see it for Dan, but uh, yeah. it was part of the part of the package. <laughs> uh, so the story of this is that I've kicked Dan off of his raft, and he's mad about it, and wear uh, yeah. and wearing a Nickelback <laughs> shirt. <laughs> which which the story (laughs) the story behind that too is also funny is because apparently while dan does not like nickelback he hates nickelback jokes so he defends them because (laughs) because he can't stand people making fun of them nice well now i know uh our text our text string is about to get some nickelback jokes baby (laughs) the group chat here it comes so I would say in about uh, three weeks, Sands Jams will be available, uh, Pineapple Mango Crisp Sour, and I'll, I'll, I'll point out for the first time, if you look at the can, that's actually a hint to the other Dan's Jams that'll come out at the same time. Well, you're going to have to blow that up for us then. Yeah, yes. I don't... Well, actually, can I? Yeah. Well, that's about as big as it'll get. Not much bigger. Um. Uh, but wow that has like a unicorn on it yes it does the the raft is a unicorn in that one anything. <laughs> all right so i guess we can get back that's to... fun i uh i, I can't I, i'm gonna make him send one of those too i'm sure he will well i like i've already like i you know a couple of these i was like i've got the uh banana hammock here which he is wearing yeah uh, banana hammock as you can see um and uh that one already banana cinnamon vanilla i was like whoa did you try that yet so i guess no it's it's uh here it, if we want to it tastes like a banana cream pie ah it it it, it you know you know cin- the funny thing about cinnamon is it doesn't always read as cinnamon right it doesn't it yeah like, it, it has a, like it has like a wide range of how it presents yeah. itself 
like chili in a beer. Like I had this terrible, terrible beer once called like chili cave beer or something. With it was like a lager with like a chili in it. Yeah, that doesn't it sound ju- good. I don't, I don't like those. It just tasted like a, the hot, like you, you know, it's just like spicy. It's gross. But um, I don't know if you've had perennials. Um, what's their birthday? Sa- the the um, ha- happy birthday. I don't think they're available um, here. Are they, Alan? Oh, okay. Well, no. Uh, but you've well, you've had I... a you you've had like a stout with chili in it where yeah. you didn't read as chili as much as like a, just a little bit of like crisp or like bitterness at the end. It kind of just like kind of uh, cleaned it up, cleaned up the taste as opposed to like reading as like chili in your face. Like you've had that. Yeah. You've had chili yeah, stouts definitely. Where, yeah. Like I, I like chili in some stouts, but like. I can't say that I love chili across the board. And I think cinnamon's kind of a similar thing. The um now Ballast Point makes a lot of gross uh beer with <laughs> with chilies <laughs> and spice and different things in it. <laughs> yeah, so, the, the Victory at Sea kind of uh like the little plays on Victory at Sea, yeah. the different Victory at Seas. Yeah. Not so, not all amazing. Yeah, I would definitely say less than amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one, uh, what kicked off, uh, me wanting to talk to you was that Dan had shared the article you wrote about, um, uh, the beer prospects for every major league baseball city. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool one. Cause, um, it, I, there's only a few cities that I, I have any knowledge really of what it were. And you pretty much, I, I was probably about 80% right on exactly what I thought you were going to pick for each city. Cool. Um, and Alan, did you, I, I did not give you much time. Did you happen to read that? No, I, I read the, um, so I've read the, uh, grocery store beer bracket because I needed to see what was, what was going to be picked. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I generally don't like anything in grocery stores and we don't even really have beer in grocery stores in Maryland. Um, I wanted that to be like easily accessible. Like, yeah. really, like, you know, like uh, flagship brands, like, you know, I wanted to try and get Miller light drinkers on the same page <laughs> with uh, craft beer drinkers. But of course the craft beer drinkers won out in the end. Yeah. <laughs> you did pick the right one. Um, and I saw the uh, beer nerds guide to every ballpark. And then I saw the Baltimore Orioles entry on the prospects. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I can't remember uh, who this who like I mentioned. I mentioned in the blurb. Other than uh, I ended up giving full tilt to prospect. I think that with uh, Jordan uh, at the helm, uh, they've taken a real uh, uh, leap forward in the beer department. Uh, the 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 gummy worms was a revelation for me. I've always liked Hops a Cat, but um, I think their hazy beers have gotten better under Jordan. Um, and so, uh, and then I think I picked Union. Was it yeah. Union? As yeah, the, Union yeah. was the. Uh, can't miss yeah because like you know I, think you it's can't. Miss. I, I, <laughs> I came to town and, and drank with everybody they showed me their spot uh that they were building full tilt was building and then we went to union <laughs> like you know later on we we hit some some um some spots down uh by the water but like you know when we went one place it was like it was going to be union so and, and duck pin is is kind of like a flagship for the region i think yeah um and, and but it, it's not only duck pin it's not like they just like do duck pin that's it so um you know I, I forget who i who i i mentioned i tried to in the prospects mention like three or four places that were interesting but it's kind of hard staying on top of things and so a lot of times i have to like 
you know, contact people in the region. I have, I have almost like beer scouts of my own. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, what are you, what <laughs> yeah. are you like drinking right now? So, um, well, you, you even, you nailed the nationals. Um, I mean, blue jackets, the obvious pick with in walking distance of the stadium. Um, but the, the mention of Ocelot, that's one of the best breweries in the Northern Virginia area. I love that place. Um, and then your, your, uh, Pittsburgh picks were spot on too with dancing gnome, um, grist house. Wait, was it grist house? I think so. I yeah. might've mentioned Cinderlands too. And then Cinderlands was the, um, top the prospect. prospect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah. three amazing Pittsburgh breweries. So, so, so I I'll take that as a compliment. You know, uh, there are uh, obviously there's some misses, and you know what was actually the hardest was in some of the more established markets picking a prospect. Like if you think about New York, everyone knows about other half. Everyone knows about Grimm. Uh, everyone almost knows about all the good places. Like there isn't hasn't been like there isn't really a prospect in New York where people are like, ooh, there's yeah. this place. Because as yeah. soon as you're a place that like people are excited about. There's like a million, there's yeah. so many people in New York. It's like, it's going to get blown up, you know? I, I was going to ask you how you determined what was like a prospect versus, you know, what, what we would all consider to be like an everyday starter in the major leagues. Like, what is the size? How are you kind of determining it was that? A little bit on name value, I guess. Yeah. And just like, you know, if I said this name to you, like, how likely are you to know it? Like, if you tell us, if you say Blue Jacket, like, yeah, people, I think people know Blue Jacket, but like, if you're talking about Aslan and Ocelot and stuff, like, that's, sort of you have to be from the region and kind of you know have been there or or drank some of their beers to kind of know about it so that's so uh can that I, was a difference. With, so like i i didn't so because i didn't see the whole article um who did you pick for boston and was trillium a pick i did not actually um i picked night shift uh but i discussed trillium so it was uh oh. night shift or trillium were like the can't miss uh, and I was like, yeah. most people would say Trillium, but for me, it's Midnight Shift because I love Whirlpool uh, IPAs, an IPA they make. I think it's one of my favorite beers ever. Um, and uh, I think they have a little bit more range maybe than Trillium. Trillium's about the hazies yeah. uh, and uh, Night Shift has. Although uh, have you, had, have you ever had any of Trillium's dark beers? I've had one or two. Yeah. The first, uh, the first Trillium I ever had was actually them, a porter. smaller. Yeah, uh, yeah, somehow, yeah. and it was it was it was actually really good. And I'm not a huge fan of porters, which is also kind of why I'm I'm surprised. Like uh, the s'mores, what that we're drinking, which I can't. So the beauty of this camera is that it's really good at focusing on faces. Oh, but if you hold something so you else right up, there we go. If I put it right in plane with my face, <laughs> um, <laughs> this s'mores what is ridiculously good. It is very good. It's very toasty. I like. I like the toastiness to it. Yeah, so last night... They're almost like a, a berryish part to it. Last night, um, I was in a text conversation with Jordan and uh, Dan and Nick, and they sent a screenshot of a review um, that said that it, it tasted like burnt marshmallow. <laughs> they were like, well, moron, you're kind of supposed to burn the marshmallows. <laughs> like, that's how you make it more of the best tasting. <laughs> That is that is what it's supposed to taste like. You're right. You nailed it. You got it. <laughs> it, it Congratulations, A plus. For me, though. <laughs> What's that? It is like slightly too hot out for these these dark kind of toasty. These are like cold weather beers to me. Well, I'm in my basement, and it's a good five degrees colder down here than the rest of the house. So it's <laughs> it feels closer to winter right now. 
Um, so yeah, let me see. I'm trying to find out where my prospect was for the Red Sox. Hold on. Trillium holds a very special place in my heart because it's the it's the first brewery that I spent more than twenty dollars for a four pack at, and now it's just kind of become the norm. So that's yeah, kind of what right. I that's what I think makes Treehouse better. Treehouse has amazing beer and it's cheaper. It's not ridiculously expensive. It's almost like the in out versus five guys conversation. Yeah, yeah like, kind of. Out, you get out of there for nine bucks. Five guys, it's like twenty bucks to get out of there. They almost don't. You can't almost compare them. And then yeah, my uh, my prospect for for with a notch or channel marker. So. Very cool. I was also I was I've curious what you were going to do with San Diego. Um, and I it it's been a while there. since I've been to San Diego and I didn't know any of those breweries. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, pure pure project is is the best new stuff in San Diego. I I have uh, in laws there, so uh, we go there fairly often. Um, yeah, because I it's I, a great city. I oh I loved it there so much. I went to well I've been a couple times. My wife's cousins live in San Diego. Um, one lives in San Diego County, and one lives out in Marietta, which Temecula has some of the best breweries in the world. Um, mm. But I went Who's to out a, there? what's that? Who's out in Temecula? Um, I cannot remember the names of any of them. Uh-huh. Uh, Lone uh, Lone Star, mm. I think, was one of one of the ones I really enjoyed. Um, it's also known for its wines, for what it's worth. Yeah. So, well, that what I, from what I was told was that they were trying to kind of kind of piggyback onto the wine notoriety of the area, and like there was a ton of breweries all building up in this one industrial park. But then I went to yeah. I went to a conference that was at that hotel that's connected to um, the Padre Stadium. And so I walked yeah, around to all the breweries within walking distance. Half, before. half door was there. Monkey Paw. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Monkey Paw. That place was awesome. What a little dive, yeah. but with amazing beer. They got ruined by acquisition a little bit. Who bought them? I forget who bought them. Palace uh, Point? No, I forget who bought them. Somebody bought them and wasn't quite the same after. And I think they might even shut down now after all this. But one thing that's really cool cool about san diego too to me is that like no matter what wave you you think about uh with craft beer they were amazing right like they were amazing in the first wave. like like we were we're clowning on ballast point a little bit and that's fine like they're not what they used to be but ballast point and like ale smith i love um, ale smith were in in stone were like first waivers right yeah and so you're like oh okay so maybe they're maybe san diego is just old school well no in the second wave they had like society uh, abnormal uh they uh, uh oh pizza port like they had good second waivers and then you're like okay, well maybe they're not on top of stuff now and then you go and you're like oh crap your project half door like they like they, they they just value beer so much that like there's always somebody pushing to come to the top you know like it, it it's not at all like um, you know, resting on its laurels or like, if you think about New York, there's no tradition in New York. There's only new, right. You only yeah. have other half and grim and stuff. And it's like, no, if you think like first wave beer, LA, what, what the problem with LA is like, they didn't have first wave. They barely had second wave. It was like golden road. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and like they're getting there now with like monkish and some other stuff. But like, uh, I don't know why it is necessarily because, 
you know, they're not that different from NoCal, but like up here in, in North California, like we, I think we've done our decent job, like keeping up with each wave. Would that, so for New York, would you consider like Brooklyn and Six Point is maybe the first yeah, wave? They, I would say almost second wave. Like, I, like I have to think about exactly when Brooklyn was founded, but like it's not back in 1997. Like, yeah, it's not that bad. Actually, so probably in my mind, what I'm considering first wave is actually what you're considering second, second wave. wave because, yeah, because first Mar- wave is like Sam Adams yeah. and Stone, like 97. And Mar- like, Maryland is was way behind in beer for so long because of the laws and it was really hard to operate. So like our waves are not in sync with with the national ones. And the laws are a big deal. Like Georgia still, you can't like, uh, you can't really have like a brewery tap room in Georgia. Like still it's insane. There's like, come come (laughs) on, dude. Like everyone else is doing it. Like, can't you figure this out? You know, they did in California with the coronavirus. I don't know if this is true for y'all. I think it is shipping. They just said, you know what? We, we finally that was to survive. <clears throat> you can ship directly from the brewery, and but that uh, apparently has not gone to every state. You know, it's definitely not true in Georgia. I think but you, y'all do shipping, right? I, yes, only within state. It has to be a Maryland yeah, brewery to a yeah. Maryland consumer. Um, mm-hmm. That was a second round of loosening. At first, it yeah. was just they allowed home delivery, so breweries right. could deliver to your house directly right off the bat. I don't know. I I would I would be okay with that not going away because, and I would say this too. Like I understand that there's a job for like a beer tender, like a like y'all. Do y'all have like a like a you have like a beer man, like like you have like a local store, and there's like a guy who like oh, yeah. beer for you. Yeah, you know they're like oh I got this for you. I put this in the back for you. You know. Yeah, that that guy uh, that when you walk in, as soon as you walk in, he's like, hey, I got something you're gonna like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That relationship I don't think will go away, and I don't think that like. Like I went back to my, I can get delivery all over California, but I went back to my beer store when it opened, you know, because I saw my beer guy, he had something for me. We talked about stuff we've had, you know, and I could get like a four pack here and a one, a single over here and like, you know, make up my own thing. Whereas like when, when the one drawback of delivery is like, you might have to get like 24 of your favorite beer. Yeah, that, that's the way. That's the way it was in Pennsylvania for the longest time. You can only buy cases of beer. Yeah, it's like ah. I mean, I like I like some beers that much, but there's like barely three beers ever I do want I want. Of. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're so we're gonna take a real quick uh, break to thank our sponsors, and then we get back. I want to talk about um, your opinions on what the best uh, ballparks in the country are for craft beer. So we will be right back. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, mom's spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, 
Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, are one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. All right, so it seems like, um, at least in every stadium I've been to, including our local minor league one, that probably is not going to be around much longer. RIP yeah, keys. You need, to, you need to do the craft beer of minor league stadiums articles before uh, before we lose. Some are really good, right? Was the beer at that place good? It, they, they they just amped it way up. Uh, starting last year, they had a, um, I guess they were calling it, a, a, I can't remember what the name of it was, but it was focused on local Maryland craft beer. They had like, at least in the teens of taps and it was all local beer. Yeah. I, I love that. And, and if you go, uh, you know, pretty much the most well-known minor league stadium in the country is going to be Durham. And when I was there, they had a, a tap room in the stadium or a brewery in the stadium. Oh, cool. You just I think, in the concourse. Yeah. I think, you know, and also I, I think that like their uh, minor league parks are leaders, uh, are in front of what major league parks are doing in a lot of ways. Like yes. uh, the, you got, the Fredericksburg was the one that had um, that really cool food uh, thing with like the Voltaggio brothers. Yes. Well, Frederick that, that, don't add the Bergs huh? to us. We're just Frederick. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Yeah. They did. Uh, they had, that was the stadium that had the Voltaggio in that. Right. Yeah. And I, I think the I have the bobblehead like, from it. <laughs> the point is, there's a Voltaggio yeah, bobblehead. That the when That's they had the cool. Voltaggio night, they, the first uh, however many like uh, people, like, it, it just like it was like you, <laughs> no, it was just like you know uh, the body with a bobblehead. It did not look like him either. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, good. It's a missed like, Okay, you should have <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah, it's a spatula. Um, no, but uh, what like for them like like the players almost don't matter. Like the players are moving through, like nobody knows who the players are for the most part. So you have to make it about the experience. So yeah, right. here in San Jose, the local one, uh, most of the parks I've gotten to have at least one or two local beers because they're like, Hey, someone's going to come to beer. Someone's going to come to see their friends. Someone's going to come to see prospects. Like we need to like make this an event. They have like, th- like things where like people are uh, chipping golf balls uh, into buckets in between innings. They had a really cool one here in San Jose where, they brought out an old truck and whoever could like destroy the truck more with, with baseballs in the in between <laughs> innings would like win something nice. uh, or like whoever could like hit the light bulbs out of the truck or whatever. So like, you know, they just know that it's an experience and it's not always about the baseball. It's like just like a fun place to go. Um, and I think that more and more teams are realizing, especially if you look at San Diego, Seattle, places that have had sometimes bad teams they're like, hey, you know, we should have great beer, great food, a place for the kids to go play. They have bouncy houses in San Diego. They have like, you know what I mean? Like they they they've thought about this as an experience, much like a minor league team. And that's why if you look at it, I think the worst places for beer in America are the legacy stadiums that always sell out no matter how good the stadium is. So the worst places for beer in America are Wrigley, Yankee Stadium, Fenway, like 
uh, like the only really so they legacy. Just don't need it. <laughs> they don't need it. Like actually, Baltimore, I think, is on the better end given its status as Camden Yards. It's like a place you should yeah. go, right? Yeah. But it also They've done a absolute decent job. Ever assembled right now, so right. They, need- <laughs> so they, they need more better beer. <laughs> But um, yeah, so those are the worst. And some of the best are places that have traditionally had bad teams. So I, I think my top ones were San Francisco, Seattle, San Diego, uh, surprising ones that people might not know about Kansas City, Chicago, not regularly White Sox to sell. Um, those are pretty good. Um, I think Baltimore was like sort of top 10 ish. Um, you know, City Field is okay, but the problem is there is Interboro there, which is like a pretty good beer. Uh, but you have, you don't know where it is. It's hard to find. So, um, how bad yeah. is the beer in Rogers Center? Yeah, <laughs> it was worse. On it is list. so bad, it, and it's not <laughs> like when you go to Yankee Stadium, they at least have like three places that sell Bronx, the Bronx beer, and Bronx beer is like okay, uh, but not amazing. Uh, they could have done way better. At the Rogers Center, they didn't even do that. Like there is, there's like one local beer that they stuck in a corner somewhere, so they could be like, "Oh, you want local beer? I think it's five <laughs> sections over, up in the outfield. I think there's one up there." And guess what? It's owned by Miller Coors or uh, so. It's, it's a craft beer in air quotes. Yeah, it's one of those guys, you know. Which of course, uh, Yankee Stadium has too. They have a lot of Goose Island everywhere, which is like. What does Goose Island have to do with Yankee baseball? Like, why am I drinking a 312? 312 is literally the area code in Chicago. <laughs> well, the, the the connection is that Anheuser-Busch has a lot of money. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, the, and, and the Yankees like money. <laughs> well, I, I will say that it is really hard. So the one reason that San Francisco is high up on the list, they have a bar connected to the stadium called uh, the public house and it is the best place to get beer anywhere attached to a stadium you can have ins and outs so you can get it and the reason that it is is because it's a bar and they don't have to have fifty thousand shares of whatever beer they get okay i mean they can sell out it's a bar yeah it doesn't matter chalkboard it's a chalkboard they cross it off you know they actually can literally cross it off or wipe it off right but if you're in the stadium and you go to like the craft beer kiosk and they're like, no, we don't have that. No, we don't have that. Like, I think people would be actually angry. Right. Yeah. So you, you have to make deals with kind of, uh, you can't, it's almost like not the prospects. You have the can't missers. You can have blue jacket in, in the stadium in, in uh, DC, but could you like Aslan was outside the stadium? Like you, like you can't bring Aslan in because you have to be like, okay, Aslan, are you ready to give me, you know, twenty thousand barrels? It's like <laughs> no, we have twenty cases that we're willing exactly. to give you. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a certain amount of like just being so big and have so many fans that yeah. you have to have these corporate arrangements. I think. Well, that's like much. in the in the in the Maryland area, it's uh, Flying Dog is yes, all over the place dog. in the stadium. Of course, flying dogs at the park. Of course. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to do anything about that because they're, they actually probably have, they have the flying dog section, right? They, there's a flying dog yeah, area. I think, yeah. They have like a whole, like on one of the concourses, like there's a whole big <laughs> flying dog painted area, I think. Right. Yeah. And that's a, that's a part that people don't talk about so much. There's a, a pay to play marketing aspect. 
like uh, stadiums expect uh, really low pricing or even some sort of uh, like you pay us to like Flying Dog. Well, hopefully in Maryland, it was just really good pricing because it's illegal to. (laughs) to Well, no, 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 this is what you could do. You could say Flying Dog. We want to we want to have a Flying Dog section, but you got to pay for the banner. Okay, yeah. You got to pay for the marketing. And that real estate for that banner is really expensive. (laughs) Right. But we'll buy the beer at market market pricing. Yeah. Um, And and Flying Dog does it because they, you know, Flying Dog is now associated with the Orioles. Orioles and I think (laughs) I think the Ravens now, too. I think Mm -hmm. they're. uh, And I believe it's the same beer and it just has different names for which stadium it's in. Like at uh, when it's at the Orioles, it's bleacher beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember what they call it at the Raven Stadium, but it's like a, a new label. Yeah, and it and it's a light lager, like a you know, like a better version of Bud Budweiser. Yeah, but like you know, Lagunitas makes daytime. Like, why don't we have crushers like that at every stadium? Like, we're not quite there yet. It has gotten better, and even if it's corporate and there's problems and it's uneven from stadium to stadium, I will say that. Like I'm glad I don't have to have a Miller Lite every time I go to a game now. You know, like I'm glad that there's more options. And generally, when we're in airports and in these places, like beer has gotten better. Um, you know, I'll take the Flying Dog over over Echo Craft, but uh, but but we can do better, right? Like we could, we could have we could have like you know amazing like 4.5 percent pale ales everywhere. Um, I was really impressed with the craft beer in San Diego at the stadium it was um mm-hmm. a, a stone stone has a bar inside the stadium right it's like a patio kind of uh that's no bow's point oh eh, never mind sorry <laughs> it's changed changed it changes a little bit year to year but okay one thing that's really cool is behind home plate did you go to behind home plate yeah because it was um it was in the high 60s like just shy of 70 and i was told that uh-huh. people in san diego don't like adverse weather um and so there was no one at the game so i just went down and i sat right behind um, what's that uh and they, I, they have first weather yeah it was yeah. It, like, it was beautiful yeah. it was some of the best weather i'd ever seen <laughs> and um i was with a guy I, w- I was with a guy from um the software company that was putting on the um the conference and they had a box for us and i was like i want to go sit down there so we walked down. He's like, how are you going to do that? I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to walk down and I'll look like I belong. And I just walked right past and went and sat in a seat. He apparently looked all nervous. They stopped him and kicked him out. <laughs> but yeah, so I was down right behind home plate because I sat a couple innings there. Yeah, and they've got like behind home plate. They used to have Ailsmith Speedway like at a game. That's crazy. Um, and then they have alternating. They have like a, a bunch of carts there that kind of alternate in and out different brands, different years. And uh, that's a cool way to keep things fresh, right? Like uh, that way you can get like a new beer at the ballpark that you haven't had before. So like I I had a hazy from a resident uh, behind uh, home plate there that I'd never had before. So I was like, that's impressive, you know, to to, to have a beer that was good. There's a hazy IPA that you never had before at the ballpark. I think um, the beer is so associated with baseball that we should be doing a lot more of that at every stadium. Yeah. The best stadiums, like, like I said, like the minor league team. So San Diego has beer, uh, beer fest, you know, 
and you can like you pay a little bit. And there's like a beer fest out in the outs, uh, uh, like past the outfield, and you you have all these beers, and then you go see a ball game. And like Seattle does that, San Francisco does that, San Diego does that, and most of the parks don't do that. Um, Pittsburgh does it, but I don't think it's tied in with a game. They just have um, a festival. They have a beer festival at the stadium, at the park when, yeah. when there's no game. Yeah. And I feel like their um, craft beer there uh, increased dramatically when Southern Tier opened a location right next to the stadium. Because then they had a big presence in the stadium and then it brought a bunch of other yeah, stuff too. It puts a little pressure too on the teams. Like, yeah. there's great beer right there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just won't come over. Maybe I'll just watch the game on the TV over there. Because I think they have a big whole craft beer bar at PNC Park now. Yeah, that that one was difficult to rank uh, because uh, I would say the Pittsburgh's uh, beer scene, though it's good, like it it doesn't get the national respect. Like uh, like I trade beer, right? And yeah. No one's been like, you got to make sure you trade for some dancing gnome or like, you know, you got to get some Cinderlands in your life. You know, it's like uh, it's not like, you know, like obviously like a Trillium or a Treehouse or something where like people are like, oh, my God, like I for here, it's like Pliny. You know, yeah. if I say I've got some Pliny in the fridge, people are like, oh, trade it to me. Trade do you have any Pliny in your fridge? I do. I always do. <laughs> Uh, what do you want? Almost always for like trade value. <laughs> I'll I'll send you some Sands jams for Pliny. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> that was um that was probably the first beer for me that um lived up to its hype. That mm-hmm. like I went through a lot of trouble to acquire it, and then when I finally was able to have some, it was just as good as I had built it up in my mind. Yeah, and it, uh. I'm, I'm curious to see now they're making more of it. I'm curious to see like, how it holds up. One thing that I, so with Bluegrass, one of the things we did was like sort of research how untapped ratings did based on certain factors, uh, distance from the brewery, ABV, uh, different words in the name. Well, um, let's pause this. Cause I actually, I, I, this is something I hadn't even thought of talking to you about, but I bet you have all, cause this is something that I actually, um, have a lot of opinions on and have put a lot of thought into because I think a lot of those things do weigh heavily onto um, ratings. Um, yeah. So you can tell me if my thoughts are wrong or correct once we get back from a quick uh, sponsor break. The NCAP podcast is brought to you by District East. A lot of Friday and Saturday afternoons, you'll find me at District East for their weekly beer tastings. District East is part of the local beer community, and they get limited releases and exclusive beers that are hard to find anyplace else. This is why I chose District East for the release of my collaboration beers. One of my favorite things to do at District East is building a custom six-pack. With over 900 beers on their shelves and new beers every week, District East is a great place to find beers I love and to discover new and hard-to-find ones. They also have eight beers on tap for Crowler and Growler fills, and they have kegs to go. District East is located on Northeast Street in Frederick, in the same shopping center as Family Mill and Rockwell Brewery. You can find today's beer lists on the District East Facebook page or at www.districteast.beer. I'm excited to announce our newest sponsor, Vanish Farmwoods Brewery. 
Vanish is a brewery and entertainment complex located on a 62-acre hops and apple farm in Luckett's, Virginia, just 20 minutes from Frederick, Maryland and Leesburg, Virginia. With over 20 beers on tap, a selection of wines and ciders, along with multiple food options, there is something for everyone. Vanish has live music on Saturdays and Sundays and a wide variety of special events. Go to VanishBeer.com for information on everything they have to offer. All right, now that um, I sidetracked your thought, I'm going to tell you to just jump right back in and finish it. Oh, I, I thought you were tell me some of your thoughts first. Why don't we do that? So or you don't want to be wrong. <laughs> oh no, I, I don't. I don't have the. I, you know, the data's not definitive like that. Don't yeah. worry. I'm not so well, it, it's funny. I I once I got a text message from a friend. He's actually one of um, the beer guys at a store that I I go to. Um, it was he sent me a comment about an episode that he was listening to, and it was just something along the lines of like, "I love how unafraid you are to be wrong." <laughs> that's good <laughs> i replied to it i was like i'm not sure if that's a compliment but i'm just gonna go ahead and take it that way <laughs> so, that's funny. so um yeah i uh being wrong doesn't bother me <laughs> um so i i i think that one proximity to brewery does increase the ratings um mm. by by the person doing that i think that would be the data on that's probably a little harder to compile we but so I, just on that one, just on that one, uh, we found that closer to the brewery was up and then it goes down as you get further away. But guess what happens when you get really far away? Shoots back up. And why? Because it's harder it's to get more coveted. Up. It's the FOMO effect. Yes. You traded for that beer. You're going to put a four and a half on yeah. it. Um, <laughs> so that, then that probably plays into, like, I feel like there are... Um, so have you ever had an out, like I'll, I'll use an out of order as an example, or even a Burley Oak dream. Have you had either of those? No. So they're, they're very much like dance jams, except dance jams are hands down better, but mm. they will. This is, this is one of the best sours I've ever had. This yeah, is the banana. They're, they're amazing. It's the, it's the, at this moment, the best kept secret in Maryland, although the popularity of them is skyrocketing. So, which is why I'm dumbfounded that they wanted to put me and my name on one of the cans. Um, they and but both of those beers are routinely rated higher. So I also believe that just the brewery name bumps up mm. the rating by a couple ticks too. Yeah, we couldn't. We couldn't. That would be harder to quantify, much. obviously. But what? Here, here's one uh, way into that a little bit. So. Uh, we did look at uh, breweries that were acquired um, and and distribution goes up, right? So we looked at, for example, like Ballast Point Sculpin, right? So Ballast Point Sculpin is here. It gets acquired. It goes down to here. And then it gets wide distribution and it goes down further. Now, when it's getting the wide distribution, you could say it's you know, it's now sitting at Safeway. It's sitting in the in the in the grocery store. It's sitting in near the near the window. It's sitting there too long. It's not being handled uh, it's not, properly anymore. It's not, it's not in the fridge. You know, um, so you could say that there were uh, things that made the beer worse, but there was a bump almost down right away as soon as it's acquired, which I think speaks to kind of marketing and. Um, that feeling of like, oh, this is a, a brewery that people don't know about that I know about, or I, I worked really hard to get this beer, you know, stuff like 
that has less to do with how, how the beer actually tastes. So I think that that might be true. It's like if Burley Oak has that name factor, then, you know, people are like, oh, this is the best because, you know. It's also it super expensive. You, you have to drive uh-huh. to the brewery yeah. to get it. It's It has mm-hmm. that that same thing where, like, people trade for it. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't go into distribution. All those um, typical yeah. things that hype up a beer. Yeah, harder to find. So, um, and but I will you know, sit here was... and just go ahead and enjoy, enjoy my dance jams because they're oh, amazing. <laughs> which one is that? You're. Asking? I went with the peach one. I didn't. I didn't want to look at uh, Dan's banana hammock while we were talking. Uh, well, uh, I'm gonna try uh, a little bit of the banana hammock, like you said, uh, and I'm gonna treat it as a little bit of a uh, preview uh, for yours because it's got the cinnamon uh, situation in it. Um, and I'm excited to have a banana. Am I excited? I'm a little bit nervous. But uh, You know what? When he told me about that beer and showed me the label at first, my thought was, you just... You you lost me on this one. It may be <laughs> you went too far. It, it may you it may went be too far. It may be the one. Be there too. <laughs> Cheers. It it may be <laughs> yeah. um this may be the one that I don't like. Uh and I love I still I really enjoyed that one. Wow. See, amazing, right? It's oh. one of the few sours to me, and I'm not a big sour drinker because acid reflux, but. It's one of the few sours to me that tastes exactly like it's advertised. Yeah, it really does taste exactly like a banana cream pie. It and it and it's still, it really but it but it still also tastes like beer. Yeah. So so many of those beers are basically just diabetes inducing um, <laughs> fruit puree the with purees, yeah. with a backbone of like one percent beer. And I'm not I'm not that big on the milkshake IPAs. So yeah, I, was about to say, I get that a lot with the milkshake IPAs. So that's I, and I think it's acid reflux a little bit too, like uh, lactose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's why like so I really um I, I really enjoy these beers because it it they like you said they taste 100 percent what's advertised, um and they they have that sourness that a lot of fruited sours don't actually have. And mm. it just, I mean, it's an all around great beer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I say better living through, through chemistry, dude. Like, you know, some people can't stand the adjuncts, but, uh, you know, it's fine. You know, you can have, I think there's still a place in my life. Like I still love like a crisp American pale ale yeah. with nothing in it. You know, that, that, that would be actually probably what I would have next after this, you know? Or an because, old, nice old school uh, West Coast IPA. Yeah, just nice. Just clear the palate and yep. do something different. Uh, but there's also a place for this, man. Like it's a, it's a, it's a crazy collection of tastes. Like I, I don't, I don't. The cinnamon doesn't bother me at all. It's just a part of the, uh, part of the, banana cream pie feeling. It's perfectly balanced. Mm. So what yeah, other? It's like whole banana cream pie in yeah and smash some uh <laughs> sour beer in with it and yeah. blended it up <laughs> they, yeah, they're, I mean, that's basically what they did <laughs> they, they're also um one of the breweries that have started uh putting beer into slushy machines so mm. you can also get these in slushy form i have oh, i have deep? not what's that deep? yeah yeah dan's jams are available Ooh. as slushies 
I bet that's pretty good. I have I, I have not been to the brewery. At a ballpark. Yeah, that ball would be park, really good at a ballpark. Ninety-five degree weather. Ooh. So um, we can what, dream. Yeah. What <laughs> other kind of um? Did, were were there any other co- sort of correlations or metrics that you uh, looked at with untapped ratings? Uh, you know, I wonder if some of these things have changed. I just saw some stuff from Good Beer Hunting that was interesting about ABV, but we found that generally there was a fairly strong correlation between alcohol content and ratings. I could imagine um, that, yeah. And like, I don't know if it's just like I'm drunker, so I like it better. <laughs> Everything starts to taste better three or four in. <laughs> yeah, right. So I don't know uh, exactly. But also when we did that research, we're talking now probably like four or five years ago. Um, if you opened up part of why we even started beer graphs is if you used to open up like uh, top 10 leaderboards or anything at like rate beer or beer advocate, you would find like mostly double stouts. Right. Huh. Like the That's... top 10 was like all Imperial stouts. It used to be, I don't, I think the beer has changed a little bit because it used to be like only about like Hunapu and bourbon County. And you know what I mean? Like it used to like, it used to be like, what imperial stout do you make? That was like the first question that people had almost. Um, so I wonder if that leave, if that research would be different now. Unfortunately, Untapped turned off the uh, data, so we, we can't oh, get it anymore. Um, Every time but, a damn website or service gets big, first thing they do is cut off the API to their data. <laughs> Yeah. Although I wonder, yeah, they, is I it... think they actually got acquired by a data company. So, oh, did they? They, they. Oh, there's another part, of, to stop part of why they got it. acquired was for their. I know, but I want to. I want to keep track of what I've had. See, I, I actually stopped. I um, it was I'm not as good anymore. Well, it, it was mainly um, sh- it was probably like six months or so into starting this podcast that a brewery asked me how I was going to approach rating beers that I didn't like. And I was like, I don't know. What do you mean? He's like, because people are going to put more stock into the, if they see your review. I was like, well, first of all, I don't think anyone's going to care about my opinion of a beer. Uh, second of all, I hadn't thought about that. So then I stopped rating anything, and then I just stopped checking in. Like I logged in the beginning of this year to see my year in review last year. I checked into four beers. Yeah. And I can assure you I, I, I had more than four different, different beers. Yeah. I, I – uh... I could see that being a case. And that was actually uh, somewhat of a problem in the data. Um, like there are not that many people that uh, double check in, like check in for quantity, right? Like yeah. I didn't really, like I would check in if I had the first time I had a beer and I wouldn't like, if I had a four pack, I wasn't going to check in all four. Yeah. I'm the same way. I think I have very few that are checked in multiple times. Yeah. So and I will, so, uh, let me, sh- let me share a review of this to you because people are probably sick of me here and we talk about it. But so there's a brewery in Rockville, Maryland. Uh, that's if you don't know where Rockville is, it's what, like 15 miles outside D.C., Allen, or roughly? Uh, it's it's probably like 30, 40 miles. Outside okay. of it's it's somewhere in between Frederick and uh, D.C. And last year we made a beer together named Beach Drink. And it was the first time um, a brewery put my face on the can of beer. Um, and this was the. Uh, review that was left on untapped for it is pretty good (laughs) the strawberry didn't really pop out as much as the lemonade did the dude on the front of the can has never been laid (laughs) so that kind of also made me dislike untapped a little bit more (laughs) yeah 
So I found the guys. Oh, um, I found the guys' uh, Instagram that, that account. dropped the review on you. Oh yeah, yeah. I found his. <laughs> I found his Instagram <laughs> account. I went to his house. And they, I didn't go that far. I just. <laughs> I posted the screenshot on Instagram tagging him to a story and just put both of my children think you should be more constructive with your criticism. <laughs> but then I, I took it down pretty quickly. I've had sex at least twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's um, anytime a brewery is telling me about how they received a bad review on something, I was like, well, have you ever been reviewed personally <laughs> on Untapped? Because I have. <laughs> Oh God, I feel I feel that way about uh, uh, Twitter and my writing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and a lot of times when I go on TV, I, I hear about my hair or how many <laughs> times I've been laid. For sure, for sure. Even the guys on the guys on MLB Network did me a, a real dirty. Um, they had carrot top on, uh, <laughs> and while they had while they had carrot top on, they actually uh, showed a picture of him and me on the TV screen and said like. Oh, said something like you know who wore it better or something and carrot top is kind of a dick so like he did not like it that's not surprising mean, that's really not surprising no, he's, a jerk. he's a jerk big time <laughs> he's kind of a jerk yeah and like he's like this baseball right i've never heard of what you talking about of course it's me and now he's all I'm weird like, and lumpy but as weird, a bodybuilder and yeah and he's, he's definitely had face surgery and stuff he's, it's like mm. a nightmare i don't want to end up looking like that but I had to take it gracefully and just say, you know, I think I look more like Kenny G. <laughs> yeah, just carry a saxophone around with you. Yeah. Sing uh, sing about Pirates of the Caribbean. It was my best uh, Halloween costume of all time. Nice. <laughs> I just went going around in New York with a fake saxophone doing that, that song. <laughs> so one thing uh, um a geeky baseball thing that i wanted to ask you i was listening to the podcast you did where you were talking about uh the blue jays possibly um using pnc park as their field and you were commenting about how different it was going to be for batters and the pitchers at pnc park why why is that um the biggest driver of uh, park factors is actually weather. Um, Pittsburgh so, weather's horrible. Yes, and Toronto is a dome, uh, so Toronto would have been, you know, almost all the same all the time. So okay. uh, heat uh, differences in heat can change uh, the pl the flight of the the ball like by five feet, three five to three five feet, and that can be the difference between a can of corn and a, and a home run. Um, the other thing that is actually a major driver is what's called the batter's eye. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's um, basically when the batter is looking at the pitcher, uh, what's behind him. So in San Francisco, for example, we we have a, perhaps the worst batter's eye in baseball, and it's because it's metal bleachers. And in the first inning of the game, no one's sitting in them, so the sun comes and reflects the metal bleachers right into your eye. Oh. Uh, and then the ball the ball comes out of that reflected sun and you can't see it. Um, whereas other places will have like a sort of like trash bag type or like a, a green black background that they call a batter's eye. That so the ball comes out perfectly and you see the white of the ball against that. So uh, those are two major drivers. And then the last driver. PNC park opens to the Pittsburgh skyline from the batters from home plate, right? 
It might be. They might. They, Pittsburgh Park is actually one of the most pitcher friendly in the league. I think it's it's uh, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and San Francisco are the most pitcher friendly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I, I bet you, if that's true, if you're looking at skyline, that's way worse. That's way worse than looking at like a yeah, because from from home plate, it's the whole open part of the stadium where it, it goes to the skyline of the city. Yeah, I hadn't even I hadn't even thought about that for for PNC. But and then the last thing is just um, how far the the walls are. Okay. But um, there's a little bit more uniformity in that these days. Uh, most parks that used to have kind of bigger dimensions have changed that. San Diego brought the walls in. New York uh, City Field brought the walls in. Like the ballparks are trending towards uniformity when it comes to uh, distance to the. So wall. making it easier to knock one out. By bringing them in, also, or- uh, just um, I don't know. I think it has to do with so San Francisco is so crazy of a park for pitchers. Like you can never get a hitter to sign there, right? Okay. Because the hitters like, oh, I'm gonna have a bad year here, so you have to like overpay hitters to come or trade for them. Uh, think or about, just like, hire ones that have been really juiced up. Yeah, right. Like Barry. <laughs> Uh, uh, but or like you don't uh, like pitchers don't want to sign in, in Colorado. But if you're a team that's rebuilding, you want to be able to sign anyone. You want to that anyone has value. You know, you want to just catch value wherever it is. And so you almost want to have like a neutral park so that if it's a pitcher that has that has a good dollar sign on them, they okay. say, "Oh yeah, come here. You, we can sign you." If it's a hitter, you can sign you. Uh, you kind of uh, you limit your options if you have an extreme ballpark like Colorado. I don't think any free agent pitcher, unless they're at the very end of their career or just just nobody else wants them, nobody's going to sign with Colorado. There's also an element for outfielders as well, and like learning how to play the outfield in a uniform park is much easier than say it used to be Houston, right? With the big with that stupid hill in center field that made no sense. You'd have to run up your ACL out. They had a hill in center field at the center field wall was like straight up. And nobody knew how to play it except for the Houston center fielder, basically. Yeah. Which you could say is like a home field advantage, but uh, then what if you sign a new outfielder? Like, right. what, what are you saying? Like, now the outfielder's like, what am I supposed to do with this? So and then you take yeah, them to a new park and they're not used to, you know, the curvature of a wall or anything like that. That all can play into how they play the outfield. Yeah. Just like playing it a ball might... monster is different. Right, right. But that's. Since Fenway is just so like legendary, like that's not going to change. Yeah, but well, they um, can't now, right? Because I remember when when I was touring there several years ago, they they were pretty close to being designated as a historic landmark, mm-hmm. and then once they got that designation, there couldn't be any changes made to the to the stadium dimensions or something you could probably find ways to change the concourse like wrigley i think is a historic monument they find ways to kind of like the places where you're buying food the concourse like they can make it a little you know wider and try to but still that has to do with beer too man wrigley when i was i was trying to talk about why beer so bad at wrigley they said like there's no more room (laughs) we don't have where to put it yeah, we don't like we like most of these like great places have craft beer stands and like craft beer bars and stuff. But we just we're maxed out. Like this is the concourse. That's it. You know, open a bar so. on some dude's house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure those places have better beer. <laughs> um, 
what what's your favorite stadium to go to? I think it is uh, San Francisco. Uh, although it, it, it's cold, it's cold, but um, it, you can hit a ball into the water. That's awesome. Uh, it looks beautiful. It has the public house attached to it, so I can go. I can get a sour from Russian River. I can get consecration in my glass and go see a baseball game. Um, they have Blind Pig from Russian River there. They have Pliny sometimes. They have. Do you, is uh, Blind Pig is Blind Pig better than Pliny? That's or, like. That's like a hipster thing to say. Around I, was, here. I was about to say that, or is that the hipster thing to say? You, like people, people, well, people tell me that all the time, and I'm like, I don't agree. <laughs> Blind Pig, Blind Pig is like the first uh, West Coast double IPA ever, so it's pretty bitter. Uh, and so I think some people do like that, like old school bitter taste. See, I, I love super bitter beer. So I may actually, it I've never had a blind pig, so I may actually like it better than if I can find you some and send you some. The, um, but, um, now I will wholeheartedly more like, you know, juicy and yeah. dang. Anyone know. who thinks that focal banger is not better than heady topper is wrong. Cause focal banger is definitely better. I than. Will, I will agree with that one. I like I, then it's it's in the books now it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah um that's that's my number one park uh i really like to do like san diego though have you been to all of them i'm at around 20 i just don't as a national rider uh i don't travel as much i just okay. kind of also i've got a, a eight-year-old and a five-year-old i just i don't want to I don't want to travel 150 days a year. Yeah, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Which so. one is more pleasant to be around? Of my children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, I'll of answer. I'll answer first. Old. I have a. Of I have a five. The older one. Dude. I have a no. Uh, not for me. Really? I have a five-year-old and nine-year-old. Uh, the five-year-old is way more pleasant to be around. Really? Yeah. <laughs> my eight-year-old is oh, in the boys or girls. Mine are both girls. Oh, mine are both boys. I wonder if it matters. That actually, that probably does make a big difference. My eight-year-old boy is into Minecraft and like reading, and is super mellow. Okay, well, uh, so my my nine-year-old girl is into Minecraft, reading something called Roblox, Roblox or something. Roblox, yeah, yeah, Roblox. Um, but my five-year-old is like a he's like a pants on fire, like. He literally doesn't wear clothes. He runs around screaming. <laughs> he like, you know, he, he's like a second kid, you know? He's like always in my It's like he's like, ah, he's like That's my 5-year-old. Actually, my 5-year-old's not that much more different, but she's at least nice. <laughs> oh. Okay. My 5-year-old's not so nice. And she's insane, so she's hilarious too. Like the things that come out okay. of her mouth are crazy. If you ask me which one is is more hilarious, I could maybe say the five year old is true. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess like really, what what could there's I mean other than obvious like the experience might be more enjoyable, but for your type of writing and what you do, there's nothing you're going to gain from being there in person, right? Like everything. Well, I do interview players uh, when I can. Okay, but um, I. Mean, you do a lot of work with like pitching coaches and kind of yeah and numbers which i guess is easier to do in person but but yeah i mean usually i like to try and take what the numbers community is finding and like take it to the players and ask them about it so that's uh something i like to do and also the players i think the numbers community sometimes doesn't respect the players as a source of um uh ideas 
you know, and questions about the game. They don't, they don't realize that the players are the ones applying the science. And there's a lot of times when I get into these good relationships with players where they ask me something that's just like, wow, that's so great. I need to go see if I can find it in the research. You know, like nobody's thought of this. Why, why don't we talk to you more often? <laughs> um, on that, do you think that's in part because for a long time, players and coaches, basically anybody who was actually playing the game hated the numbers community. They just, they brushed them off. Like they weren't on to anything. And, and, and I, much more accepted part of the game. Well, I, and I think they were, I think they were okay to do that because I think the first wave of numbers was just to quantify how good the players were. So the first wave of numbers was like, we're going to, they had this stat called wins above replacement. They were like, we're just going to put a number on you. And like, I don't want one number on me. Yeah. And, and like, 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 I don't want this dork come around here and be like, oh, you're <laughs> only a one war player. You're, you're pretty crappy. And I'm like, get out of here. But the newer data, stuff like uh, how hard did you hit the ball? Uh, how much spin did you put on the ball? What movement did you put on the ball? Not only is that more gameable, gameable between the players. So I've seen players being like, yo, I hit that one 120, you know? And like uh, other, other people have been like, oh, that's awesome. You know, like like they, they can track those numbers and they make sense to them. Like it adds oh, another level of competition for them. Yeah. Yeah. And also it's like very understandable. I hit the ball 120 miles an hour. Like that's awesome. Like, you know, I, I understand what that means. Yeah. I don't know what one win above replacement means. I don't know what that means. So that's part of it. And then the other part of it is now I can use that to help you get better. So it's now I can say, yeah, like I, now I can say, you know, curveballs with 10 inches of drop do better than curveballs with eight. You've got about eight and a half right now. I'm your coach. Let's try to get it to 10. Let's hold your fingers this way. Do this. Think about doing this. Think about doing this. Look at the thing. Oh, it says 10. Bam, you did it. Awesome. Now the player has this good association between this number, 10 inches, and something he's done, and it helps him. He, he thinks, oh, this helps me get better. So that's been a major change in how players have, have thought of me. Like, I, I used to ask players about numbers and like there's this famously Eric Hosmer like hated what I was asking and then started heckling me as I was talking to Billy Butler. Uh, <laughs> That's got to be a fun interview. <laughs> oh, man. I actually at one point like stopped talking and Billy Butler, I have it on recording, says, are you OK? Because uh, <laughs> they're like sitting behind me going. What kind of hair is that? That's no sex hair. <laughs> I, I can what? relate to those types of criticisms. <laughs> like your Instagram review. And like, they, they, they were like, saying, they were like, what kind of questions? This is the worst interview ever. And I'm like, I see you there. I'm laughing with you. <laughs> and then I was like, this isn't working. They're, they're not laughing with me. Um, and uh, uh, But since now players will ask me like, yo, what kind of new tech have you heard about? You know, uh, what have you heard about? What have you, what are you looking at? And I'll tell them and like, you know, sometimes they'll go and check it out because I told them. So, uh, they, they now see the potential for the numbers to help them get better. It's not just about quantifying how good they are. It's about, you know, best practices, how to get better, how to get better at playing the game. So that's definitely changed over time for sure. Are, are we at like, because to me, and when I, I said this at the beginning where the numbers are getting, kind of too much for me and I, I mean that by like the way I mean that is 
there is almost too much data that it's a little bit overwhelming and I don't know what to make of all of it. I don't know what assumptions to draw from it. And I know in your job, you know, you're kind of taking it and asking players about it and that's, that's great. But as a, as a fan or, you know, as a player, what, what of this data matter? Like, what are we taking from this data now? What should we be taking? Is there anything that's like the best data to be looking at is I I assume the data movement is kind of permanent, but what should we be, taking from all this. Yeah, I think that some of it is, um, you know, kind of like Twitter excitement and like, oh, new new toy excitement. They're like, oh, yeah. you know, spin rate. This this guy's got the best spin rate. And like, you know, spin creates movement. Um, and that's the number one thing about it. So I could just tell you which curveballs have the most drop. That might be more exciting. And that might be more accessible for you to be like, okay, I get it. Yes. This curveball... This curveball drops 10 inches. This curveball drops 15 inches. I can see it. You know, I understand what you're saying. This curveball spins at 2,500 RPM. Like, what do you, like, I don't even know what that means. It's not in the air for a minute. You know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? It's in the air for seconds. So one curveball, like, spins five times. Another one spins five and a half. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So is that all Uh, kind of like, it's just data for the sake of having data that gets coming to that? Yeah, there is some of that because because we're marketing the game and like we can we have these new toys and you can put up Statcast stuff and you're watching the TV and they can do it. Yeah, and um, announcers need to have something to talk about during. <laughs> yeah, or some and now, stat and to now, bring and up. It's and, kind of fun too. We can we can kind of like uh, put numbers on some stuff we haven't been able to put numbers on. But it's like for example, like exit velocity, it's good to hit the ball harder. It's good to, at every angle. It's good to hit the ball harder. However, if you hit the ball 120 miles an hour into the ground, it's not a hit. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> doesn't matter how yeah. hard you hit it if it's not if it's enough elevation. Down, it's a worm burner. So I think that we're in the early stages of the new data uh that we've got. It's only been four or five years where we've had it around and people are chopping it up and dicing it in different ways. And I think from that we'll get stuff that kind of rises to the top as understandable, as uh accessible and as stuff that we'll hear about more often and then other stuff will kind of fall away and uh, we don't hear about it as much and then hopefully also as people talk about it more they have to give a little bit of an explainer of like okay i'm going to say something about the spin rate but in order for you to understand what spin rate means i'm going to tell you that spin produces movement and this and that um and then we'll all sort of learn what these things mean over time um it's my job to like know what each of those things mean but it's like a full-time job i mean it's literally a full-time job so uh, I don't uh, I uh, like what you're feeling. I understand it completely. Yeah. And I would just say that it's on storytellers to tell better stories, to um, to 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 use the data sparingly and to just be like, I'm going to tell you the story and I'm going to bring in. Oh, it happens to be the best spin rate in baseball because and that ha- that's good for this and this. But I'm really just telling you how awesome this curveball is, you know, uh, as opposed to just like throwing up leaderboards and overwhelming you with different data and every week there's a new data point um you know so i don't know it, it, it to some extent dive in as much as you like and ignore as much as you like i think that's kind of uh how we are and i don't think i mean do you think that it's um oppressive like when you watch a game or is it more like on twitter and no it, it's the it's the social media kind of back and forth with it and um i don't even really see it so much in stories as much as you just see people say things on social media and it's like 
you know, they'll, they'll give you the leaderboard and it's like the best spin rates in baseball. And it's these 10 players and they happen to be 10 players. I've never even heard of. Am I, <laughs> am I thinking they're like the best pitchers? Probably, and I, I don't do that, but it's like, it's meat for my base, you know, I'm but, <laughs> throwing some meat out for my base. <laughs> but if, if there is some value in it and saying, you know, here are 10, you know, the 10 best spin rates and there's an improvement of, this guy, I think I saw maybe you, you were the one. I did one. Yeah, I did one. I think Robbie Ray was on the list. And, you know, if you, with that, if that comes like a, a story down the road of like. His curveball better. Explaining a turnaround or, you know, yeah, better. Yeah. Number, that's what, that's to me, what's like the more important thing yeah. that I think you miss sometimes is like the context behind the numbers. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I not, have to balance that because I have like rabid followers who like follow stuff just as much as me right and i like i have i have like team employees who are following me um and then i also have to balance that with like um, but if i write a story i will give the context so yeah i think that's the important thing the stories usually have it it's like the stuff that you just it comes from all angles on social media and you're just like what what the hell do i do with this yeah it's a good point point. and even when i threw that thing out there people were like you know robbie rice stunk <laughs> yeah. yeah i was like well he only has two pitches so <laughs> so also true are there um are there many players that are craft beer geeks oh that's oh, a great man. really interesting um we've we uh we lost one with brandon morrow um who was a one-time closer and was just released by the cubs i think this year um, he was, uh, he actually bought my, I had a, a base, what was it? A beer nerds guide to baseball. It was basically a, very much like my prospects article. It was just like, these are the places you have to drink before you go into the game. That's and, the one I read before this, Chris. And then okay. these, these are the places where you'll drink at the game. Um, he bought, he actually bought that one and like debated some stuff with me. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> Uh, that was pretty cool. Corey Kniebel is a, uh, he's a reliever for the Brewers. He's a home brewer. Oh, cool. Um, Eric Thames, um, who is the first baseman for the Nationals right now. Um, I've had some beer conversations with him. He helped brew a beer with Corey Kniebel for uh, the Brewers' home stadium. Oh, and he's commented on, uh, he was in Korea for a while. He's commented on uh, Korean beer. Um, and, uh, uh the list is not very long after that dan straley who's now in korea um i'm gonna send him some beer i think in korea if they allow me um and these samples <laughs> yes yeah it's always these <laughs> or you know what i'm gonna say recently it's snow globes i don't know why I just say snow globes. <laughs> that sound you hear is snow globes yeah. they're delicate they... be be gentle <laughs> If everyone says how how come you sniff so many snow globes, I'll, I'll just tell them my my kids are into making snow globes. <laughs> um, uh, the um, and then Jed Lowry uh, for the Mets, um, we debate uh, uh, beer sometimes. So it's it's not a very long list. I mean, for for them, you know, it's mostly Budweiser in the clubhouse. And, yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like out of all the pro leagues, the baseball would be the one maybe hockey too or like they enjoy beer most frequently but i'm curious if it's craft beer yeah it's, it's rarely craft beer i think there's also and this is a, an interesting thing in craft beer as a business um we don't like they are calorie conscious right they're athletes yeah and, 
<laughs> do we know how many calories are in our beers? Like a lot, very few. Yes, <laughs> yeah, just a lot. We know from our bellies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't even want to venture to guess how much, uh, how many calories are in a Dan's jam. <laughs> yeah, right. Because all the sugar, right? Yeah. Uh, they, what, what I, I, I have like ventured to think about writing about this sort of thing and and talk to some people about it, nutritionists. They do think that for the most part, um, alcohol is the biggest uh portion and i and i have some more evidence for that the the non-alcoholic breweries that are coming out um there's one out here um that had a non-alcoholic pastry stout it was literally called a pastry stout which i thought was hilarious yeah um and a non-alcoholic pastry stout had 75 calories wow so i think that's what you add so and then a normal like a guinness for example a guinness 95 right yeah it's only around 100 yeah. So I would say that like a 12 ounce can of pastry stout, I'm doing some basic math here, about 175, which is is bad, but it's maybe not as mad as we thought. But then you think about, well, did you have the bomber? Yeah. Did you drink a whole <laughs> crowler of it? You just drink a whole crowler <laughs> of it because then you're doing 175, 175, 175, 175. Have that you seen um, Evil Geniuses <laughs> hard seltzers? Uh-uh. So they're making pastry seltzers that oh. are that they call evil water. Um, I think yeah. it's count like completely counterproductive to what yeah. seltzers are supposed to be. Have <laughs> you had one? No, no, I have not. <laughs> will you have one? No, I will not. I'll even try. I mean, if I was you somewhere, know, so and... it just come up with the weirdest ideas. If if I was somewhere and they had one, I would feel obligated to try one. Um, I won't be seeking one out. <laughs> we'll have one of those for the three of us. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll find a fourth to split it with. Yeah, you, we'll drink it virtually, and it'll be on your desk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, which player has been the most fun to have a beer with? Oh, have you had a beer with a player? Because that can be frowned upon too. Only one. Only one uh, player ever. Yeah. Who? Yeah, I don't really. I, like, I'm gonna frat, they're gonna fraternize with the dork. Uh, that's true. Um, they're <laughs> probably worried worry that they're gonna tell you something that's. Uh... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I drank with John Jaso. I don't know if you guys know him. Yeah, I don't. I think he was a pirate. First baseman. Yeah, yeah he was a, a ray and a pirate and a. a. Uh, so it's because he was a it dork. It was interesting. Too. So, I'm gonna tell the story. I'll tell the story. <laughs> Um, I don't usually do it, uh, in, uh, a place that's recorded. Like don't, no one it's listens usually to this. Like, a... <laughs> <laughs> uh, we went to a place called twin peaks. I don't know. Have you ever heard of twin peaks? It's basically, yeah, it's a knockoff of like a, of a Hooters, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> twin, twin peaks. Um, I was with my girlfriend. We did not like it for what it's worth. <laughs> What's that? I was with my girlfriend and we did not like it. Yeah, yeah, right. I did not like it. Anyway, um, we go on St. Patrick's Day. Um, and there's nobody there because why would you go to Twin Peaks on St. Patrick's Day? Anyway, um, we're there. We're the only people there. We show up and every woman who's working there comes over to see us when we first get in there. I'm like, oh, this is what it's like to be a ball player. <laughs> um, and so we sit down and we're uh we're we're uh we're drinking and he and jordano ventura uh rest in peace is pitching and he's throwing 97 
and Jezel can't keep his eyes off of it. And he's just like, easy cheese, easy cheese. And I'm like, I'm drinking with the player, and I'm like, uh, do you ever say anything weird at the plate to the, the guy who's batting? Or like, <laughs> I'm like trying to talk to him about inside baseball stuff, and he's like, man, that's easy cheese. Um, and so we get to the end of the meal, and um, there's like two other riders and him, and we, we all like the riders all like kind of alligator arm for our, for our wallets. And we're all like, oh. <laughs> and then Jason's like, I've never heard that term up. before. That's hilarious. <laughs> we, he's like, shut the hell up. I'm a baseball player. I'm going to play. And we actually still make enough noise where he gets up and he goes over to the register to pay. And he's just like, fuck y'all. I'm going to pay. <laughs> and so I, I'm like looking over him at the register. And again, every woman who works there flocks to the register. And one woman is not getting the attention she wants. <laughs> and so I crap you not. She gets on her. She does like a handstand and puts her butt up at his face and twerk upside down. <laughs> We're not at a it's not a it's not like that kind of establishment. We're at like a wings place, you know. And she's twerking upside down. <laughs> the, the the last the last little bit about this was I do these meetups where we we hang out. We did like we used to in the in before times, where we before hang out times. and drink <laughs> and and talk about baseball and have beers together. I do these like craft beer baseball meetups, right? And I'm telling this story to a bunch of dudes, and um, at the end of it, I say, and I was like, at the end of it, I say that i look at this happening and i'm like that will never happen for me that will <laughs> never happen for me and there's a little bit of silence and uh one person says well i'll twerk upside down if you tell me what to do with my fantasy team <laughs> <laughs> did you take him up on it uh, like, no nah, no nah, tell me who you want to draw what is it I just <laughs> just tell me what's going on <laughs> Oh, that's funny. But so, uh, yeah, not not otherwise. I think I would love to, to have a beer with Jeff Samarja. Him and I don't agree on anything, um, <laughs> but he's always been uh, very nice to me, and um, uh, we have uh, interesting conversations where um, we're discussing important things in a funny way. So I think we like it. Almost be worth recording. I think me and Samarja have a beer. Who's the retired player you'd most want to have a beer with? Uh, just Pedro Martinez, because I, I just want to, I would like running through all his grips and ask him about pitching. And I just, I've talked to him a couple of times and I'm just like, there's so much more we could talk about. I just, he's, Pedro was amazing. Do you have a team? Like, is there a, is there a team you're a fan of that you root for? Or do you just like the sport in general? Uh, well, so working kind of takes that out of you, but yeah. um, uh, I have an interesting backstory. So I'm German, Jamaican, American. I came here in uh, 86 to Atlanta and I was in Atlanta from like 87 to 94. So like I saw. Oh, so you were that. there whenever the, whenever the Braves ruined the pirates. Yes. I saw. <laughs> you uh, like, broke I, the, I was, the. I remember <laughs> one of my very first, like very intense memories was Sid Bream. Uh, as a brave running around third uh, and sliding into home and like beating the Barry Bonds uh, pirates um, in like game five or something. Yeah. And the then NLCL. they were broken for two decades. 
Yeah, that, that kind of broke him because like Barry left the next year. But also. both Barry um, and Bonilla left. Yeah, but um, I so I uh, I so I was a Braves fan, and I, and that's when I but I also was like a, a I traded cards, and I and I like knew that like I saw things a little bit differently because I would just trade. Um, like I'd be like, there's this guy Mark Lemke, terrible second baseman for them. Jeff Blauser. I would just trade whoever people liked that were Braves, and I'd be like, give me that Barry Bonds rookie. You hate Barry Bonds. Give me that rookie card. And so already I like had this like way like oh fandom is something I can manipulate. <laughs> um, and so I wasn't like uh, I wasn't like diehard Braves. And then I went to boarding school in Boston. Boston Red Sox had never won a World Series, so I was like. Hey, I don't have any money to buy like a TV package or anything. Like, I'm just gonna watch the Red Sox, and um, then they, then they won it all, and I was like, wow, that was fun. Um, <laughs> and then, and my dad like divorced my mom, moved out to San Francisco, and I went to to Stanford. I went to school out there, and I arrived in '97, and I was like, okay, Giant. And then 2002, they go to the World Series. I'm like, yeah, baby. That was fun. So, then, uh, so have teams to tried to get you to move to their city? <laughs> yeah, I moved to New York, and I'm like, ask ah, the Yankees. Like, I'm not gonna be a Yankees fan, Mets fan, and I'm in New York from 2002 to 2010. World Series, baby. So, uh, I, it hasn't worked yet for the A's uh, since I've been back. Um, <laughs> I'm back out here on the on the West Coast again. Uh, but I've always had a little bit more fluid fandom where um, I'll just be a fan of the local team yeah. where I live. You you're, uh, you're, you have one of the few people who have the ability to get into a stadium right now. And I, how, I went for the first time on, on Tuesday. How weird is that? Was that an Oakland game? Yeah, I went to Oakland. Oakland is empty often anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, not feel that much different if it's Oakland. But... Like we're still talking about twenty five hundred, three thousand people. Like that's not nothing, you know. When they're not there, you're like, this is weird. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna go back. I don't know if I'm gonna go back. It's, um, it's. I wouldn't say that it's a good feeling. I know that people were jealous of me uh, for being one of the very few people to see live baseball, but um, the music seems so loud without people there everything reverberates it makes it, it it has this feeling of like a desperate carnival like we're all just <laughs> trying to pre- like you're just like everyone's just trying to pretend things are normal it feels very pretend it's like i almost had trouble like watching the game because i was like this isn't real like this this must be like an exhibition game or something have, um have, and uh, players I wouldn't blame ex- a player at all if they told me that they they're having a hard time getting up for it well, that's, so I was going to say, have have players expressed yeah. that it's harder to to probably even care, maybe, to play to no one? <laughs> I I I have asked, and the ones the players that answer my text messages, they say no. Once I'm locked in, I'm trying to beat them. Once the once the stats count, like I'm trying to beat them. But being in there, I was like, this is weird. This is super weird. And there's something like you have to be masked, right, when you go in. Um, I'm not saying I, I think we should all wear masks and I'm not saying that people shouldn't wear masks, but I think that there are consequences of wearing a mask. Uh, it, um, you, you might ignore someone. You might not say hi, you know, you kind of, 
you kind of like just do your thing. You're just like, okay. It's not like nobody can see you, but you almost act that way. Yeah. Where like everyone's just like, I'm going to go to my place and do my thing. And I got my mask on and, you know. And then when I'm going, I'm there doing the interviews with players and stuff, it's on Zoom. So I can do that at home. Yeah. And I'll be more comfortable and I'll be sitting in my desk and not having a mask on. I might actually interact with the players better so they can see my face and my the way I'm acting as opposed to like, so in the game today, <laughs> you know, you know, it just feels uh, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good. I, I, I was I went to I went to just see if it was worth going and I'm not sure I'm going to go again. Do you think it's even going to last? That was going to be my question. Do you think they're going to make it a whole through all the games? I mean, no, they're not, they already said that they're not going to do all the games. Okay. Um, I mean, they, I think they, the, like, the Marlins have kind of proved that this yeah. probably is not an experiment. I have a theory. Should baseball have even bothered in involving the Florida teams? This <laughs> With the hot spots and stuff? With, um, Florida clearly showed they're not responsible enough to handle this. Flo- Florida man is, is a thing for any, a reason. Yeah. <laughs> is baseball any different without the Rays and the Marlins? Well, I think the Rays might win at all, but um, no, I, I, you know, I was kind of more of a, a, a fan of like the the hot the uh, bubble idea, and I think that you've seen with the NBA and the NHL that the bubble is working better. The problem is that uh, baseball has bigger rosters, um, and it's an outdoor sport. Uh, so, uh, like doing it in Arizona would have been like 120 degrees. Um, they would have had to have like games at 8 a.m. and games at 9 p.m. or something. I don't know. Yeah, and, then the- the TV deals aren't TV happy. Would be bad. And... Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, I think one thing that did come out of this is now they're like, oh, you have to wear a surgical mask. You have to do this. You have to do this. You can't leave the hotel. Um, those are things that should have been in place in the first place. But I'm not sure that the players' union is very strong in baseball, right? They're so, the strongest one, right? They're the strongest the... one. So when they said bubble, the players said no, and they were like, okay, I guess not. <laughs> um, and I'm sure at some point they said. Hey, stay in your hotel. And they were like, if we want. And they were like, <laughs> okay. Um, and so now they're like, well, if you don't stay in your hotel, we won't have a season. And so m- there's a chance that this will scare people straight and do some good uh, by happening early and showing them this is what will happen if you don't do it right. Uh, because there are some reports that they like went out to a strip club and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if it's true. Yeah. But. I would say that it's probably true that they could have been more uh, on top of their business when it comes to hand washing or mask wearing or distancing. Um, and so hopefully now, like you're seeing more teams stagger workouts so that different players groups are playing together so that you don't lose your entire starting rotation at the same time, or you don't lose your entire bullpen or something like that. Probably um, smart. <laughs> should have been done yeah. from the beginning. A so kind of like mini bubbles the within the team. Exactly. So. Exactly. I think, I think that'll help. Um, I think that they won't all play 60. I think there probably will be another breakout. Um, and I also think that the baseball owners only wanted to get enough regular season to have playoffs. That's all they wanted okay. because the money, the money nut is the playoffs. They wanted to get to the playoffs. And uh, you saw that in their interactions with the players union, when they were trying to de- negotiate a return to business, the, the owners kept saying fewer games and the players kept saying more games. So, you know, we knew this was an issue from the beginning and they're just going to try and limp through this and get to the playoffs is all I can come up with. So is that the, is the, so much of the money in the TV deals that the 
fans in the stands don't even matter? That number has uh, gone down over time. The, the number that you get from the fans in the stands has gone down over time. And okay. It's generally accepted that it's down to 40%. Um, and uh, I think that's for various reasons. And I think that part of it is how the game is played. Right now, there's a lot of home runs, a lot of strikeouts, not a lot of balls in play. And home runs and strikeouts play a lot better on TV. Okay. Uh, um, and then also they're doing variable pricing. So uh, they're pricing out people on the cheap seats, you know. Uh, if a good team's in town, all the seats are too expensive. Um, and they're just doing things that are not conducive to like getting people into the stands. And I think they've been optimizing for the TV experience for a long time. Okay. Yeah. Cause there's just so much money in those, the TV deals. I think they saw the math and we're just like, Oh, TV is going to pay us more that. in the future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's go after that. And like, think about a strikeout. If you watch a strikeout on TV, you can be like, oh, look at that, and then that, and then this. Oh, he painted. Oh, he threw 98. If you're at the park, you're like, how hard did he throw? What, yeah. what pitch was that? <laughs> you, don't what see, was that? you don't see nearly the same movement as you do on TV. No. And yet, that, it, like, it looks like, oh, that, was that a good pitch? <laughs> <laughs> you look up, oh, it's a slider. Nice. So how did you get into craft beer? What was what was your gateway beer to craft beer? Um, you know my kids had something to do with it. My kids introduced me to craft beer. Now, uh, so I was in New York and I was kind of into craft cocktails as a younger person, and um, then we just decided we were going to come to California and um, and have kids, and I was just like, I can't be blasted on three cocktails and like follow this like one year old around, you know. Um, <laughs> So also when you like, if you're into craft cocktails, you have to have like milling stuff and like yeah. spices. There's a lot like, of uh, tools and uh, accessories <laughs> that are required. Uh, yeah, beer, you, gotta, like, you just go <laughs> done. Oh, where get drop that. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> the 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 ways in that I had were before that. Like I had uh, Sierra Nevada. Uh, I used to throw parties at college. I was the social manager and I would have, uh, always have a keg of Sierra Nevada around, um, basically for me. Um, and then whatever for everybody else. And, um, then when I went to New York, I had for the first time, uh, Cezanne DuPont, um, and, uh, Pincus, uh, Pincus, the organic Pilsner they have. Um, so those are my three gateway beers. So okay. Sierra's kind of the old school first pale ale I ever had. And then Saison DuPont was like, oh, like, like there's a lot of flavor in this. It didn't cost that much. Um, I can just take this home and it's not high stress. And that's when I started to get into like, oh, these, all these different tastes. I love how many different tastes there are, you know, yeah. like, I think it's almost more than wine, you know, um, you know, and wine gives me more acid reflux than beer. So that was that was a lot of the decision making was like my gut, yeah. my kids, <laughs> my situation. Uh, but that's that's how I started getting into it. What is the um, most fun or best experience that your job has afforded you? Um, when I was doing the. Uh, when I was doing the, uh, when I was running October, um, we were doing events and, uh, there were some sweet events. Like I went to Houston to, uh, drink at this one brewery and eat Nashville hot chicken. 
um, and uh, went to Chicago and had, um, oh man, who's that? Uh, oh, we had a uh, a comedian um, uh, and a musician and like uh, three hours of beer tasting before it. Oh, I mean, it was so good. Uh, I can't remember his name now though. Um, and then, but all of that, I think pair, uh, compares not as well to I, I covered a ALCS game between the Twins and uh, the A's. And there were like 60,000 people in the Coliseum, which normally has like two or 3,000. And Sonny Gray is pitching against Torrey Hunter. Um, and he's idolized Torrey Hunter growing up. And Sonny Gray uh, was sat like 93 all year, had not hit 96 with his fastball at all that year. Hits 96 three times in a row to Tory Hunter, and one of them is just like across the nipples. And Tory Hunter looks out at him and points his bat at him, like, "I saw that. I'm gonna take you deep. Like, get ready." And Sonny just blows it past him, and the whole stadium is going, "Sonny, Sonny, <laughs> Sonny!" And it was just like, it was like the underdog story, the A's. Uh, I went down and like held my recorder up just to get everybody yelling sunny, sunny, sunny. <laughs> um, got to, and I, I never asked a question at press conference before. It's like my first year in the clubhouse and we're doing a press conference and nobody's asking anything about throwing 96. He hadn't thrown 96 all year. And we're about to wrap up the press conference. I'm like, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And they're like, all right, you, whoever you are. And I'm like, Sonny. Dude, you hit 96 to Tory Hunter. Tell me about that. And he, he gave the best answer about like idolizing Tory and have seen him in the spring and trying to get him out, out in spring. And he took him deep in the spring. So he wanted to get him out here. It was a big deal. So he reached back through 96. Great answer. Great question. We're walking out. All the other reporters are saying, you know, thank you for asking. That. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> uh, and uh, so that was that was that was a really good feeling. Just a really good a uh, collection of events really exciting i felt good at my job and it was early on so i'd been a rookie and i hadn't felt that feeling yet yeah. and uh that was that was that was really cool as a as a news editor i hope all of my reporters listen to that that story because that's that's the job like what you just said right there is is the job of a reporter is to like notice that one little small thing looks yeah. very minor total observation and it's one of those number things that we were talking about earlier um, although a more obvious piece of data, but still it's one of those very minor things. And you ask about it just because you noticed it, it sucks. You asked in a scrum. So everybody got that answer. So everybody gets that. <laughs> they get to put in their story too. That's true. That's true. That's true. It's why I hate covering baseball right now because we're in zoom calls yeah. and that basically means that everything's a scrum. So, oh, that's you know, any story I'm working on, I almost have to like get a lot of the story ready and then jump in a bunch of zoom calls and ask the questions. Yeah. Because as soon as I started asking the questions, other people were like, oh, do you hear what Eno asked in that Zoom? I should do something on pitcher injury. Eno's asking in Zooms about pitcher injury. <laughs> so that actually just published while we were on air. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Drinking and publishing. I'm <laughs> um, than drinking and writing. Don't do that. <laughs> no, the old quote is uh, right. edit sober, right? That's it. That's it. <laughs> um, Alan, do you have do you have any more questions for? Uh, uh, just one, just because we're in a, a market where people care about the Orioles. Um, is there anything, anything positive 
for World War II this year. They don't have to call um, themselves the Baltimore baseball team. Yeah, I'm calling my team the Cleveland baseball team. So. Nice. Um, no, you know, I actually did a, a survey where I asked a bunch of people, uh and stuff, um, what uh, who this season helped and who it hurt. A lot of people said that it hurt the Marlins and the Orioles because they're in a rebuild and the prospects aren't playing. But one person um, actually said it helped the Orioles, and their, their thought process was this. So you just got a new GM, right? You got Mike Elias. He comes over. And he's a he's a very like data tech, you know. He, he's trying to put processes in place to, to be better in the future, right? If you have an R and D team and you're trying to win some games, you're gonna ask the R and D team to do a lot of stuff like uh, evaluate these players that are playing right now, make this team better, um, without really caring about the season and with just losing the season. What you can do is while everyone's not playing baseball, go to all your minor league systems and in, in, install all the crap you want to install. Like he can go and install all the cameras he needs to install, install all the technology. You know, he can they can spend all this time thinking about like when we start up, our minor leagues are going to work like this, and we're going to be totally different. We're we're going to we can we can do this from scratch. We're going to start from scratch. So there is a little bit of an element of like Mike Elias gets a year to just go up into his lab with the R&D team and be like, let's think about anything. Let's think about baseball on the moon if it matters. Maybe it'll, maybe we'll come up with something, you know? Um, so they, they, they get to be as weird as possible and install all the structures, install all the processes they need to so that next year everything's ready to go. Um, there's something to that. Uh, but just being a rebuilding team and losing a year of being able to watch random Joes in a ball that weren't supposed to be good and see if they be good. You don't get to do that this year. So right. you don't get these pop-up guys where you're like, well, this guy was all of a sudden throwing 99 and we didn't think he was a prospect, but now he's throwing 99. You don't even know who's throwing 99. Your prospects are all, they're playing men's league. Do you know they're playing men's league? <laughs> they're playing men's league. Can you imagine going to your local men's league and some guys pumping 99s in? I'd be like, see you guys later. Yeah, there'd be a lot of pissed <laughs> off people that are in poor shape just trying to find something to do. <laughs> Well, I mean, some of them would try to stay in, stand in there and be like, I got to hit off an actual minor leaguer. But It's like going and playing uh, beer hockey and Alex Ovechkin shows up and is slapping exactly, the shots. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'd just be like, all right, see you guys later. <laughs> so, you know, where do people go to find you? Uh, Twitter's my most active spot. So E-N-O-S-A-R-R-I-S on Twitter. Um, I do sandwiches on Instagram sandwiches, mostly sandwiches. That was, uh, so that was one of the first things <laughs> Alan said to me when I was like, Hey Alan, do you happen to know who, you know, Saris is? It's like, yeah, absolutely. He's, he's yeah, a genius just... and he loves sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> so now I need I to do find weird. I, I try to throw, I try to just do regular sandwiches and just throw something weird in the weirdest um, sandwiches. Sometimes, sometimes really weird. I actually made a sandwich with dragon fruit in it one time. Ooh, it was. It wasn't good. You know what? <laughs> I'm not afraid to be wrong. <laughs> I have been told that's a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So well, is that uh, is the spot. same? And then, and the athletic. If you if you uh, sign up for the athletic, it's most of the times. Especially if you do it off of off a, uh, one of mine, I get credit for it, um, and uh, it's like fifty percent off. So 
we're talking about like two, three bucks uh, a month. Um, I think it's worth it. And it's not just me. Like you're talking about Ken Rosenthal, Jason Stark, uh, maybe your favorite beat writer uh, for basketball and football. Like we just like we have so many good writers. It's pretty amazing. I had my doubts about the athletic when it first started and the content there is just you. It's literally content you don't find anywhere else. Yeah, I think we did a pretty good job gathering people, and it's about the bundle. It's not just like how the hell it, did you get a blue check on Instagram? Me? The sandwich. Yeah. On your sandwich? No, 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 dude. It's all corporate, dude. It's all corporate. Oh, it's is who it? you know? It's who you know. I didn't have a blue check mark on Twitter, and I had fifty thousand followers. I go to the Athletic, and they're like, "Okay, let's get you a blue check mark." I'm like, "What?" Can they get me a blue check mark? I know. I don't know. <laughs> sign up with the athletic. I don't know. Um, the it, it's yeah. I don't even do that. I have like a hundred followers on Instagram, so it's it is a little weird that I got the blue. Well, that was kind of like what I was looking at. Like I've I've I I mean I don't have a tremendous following, but it's like just shy More of eight thousand. Yeah, and and there are accounts that have like kind of mimicked me, which is why I went for the blue the blue check yeah. mark and I got declined. I gotta find someone that know someone <laughs> yeah yeah literally well they're now uh, but yeah i mean they, now you have 573 is... oh, i want to see you. your sandwiches <laughs> uh uh the the play is like if i'm willing to pay 50 cents a month for eno then maybe i'm willing to pay 40 cents a month for jason stark and ken rosenthal and you know so it's it's the bundle okay it's J- not just jason stark and ken rosenthal are worth ten dollars a month Oh my God! Yeah, why did I say less than me? Yeah, they're worth the ten dollars. <laughs> I'm worth the one oh, cent. You're, you're, great, you're great too, but Jason Stark and, and Ken Rosenthal themselves and are are worth the price of admission. You know what's amazing too about working with them is they're plus plus human beings. Like, uh, they I've collaborated with both of them on stories, and I'm like, why you could do this on your own? Um, <laughs> but they're willing to kind of spread the love around and yeah. and promote the pieces of 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 their coworkers and. Um, I have nothing but good things to say about them. I, Those are some good-looking sandwiches. Been, you know, I've, I've been in this business. <laughs> I've been in this business since uh, uh, I, I switched careers in about 2010. Um, and so it's kind of amazing to me. Like, Ken and Jason have always been like, these are the gold standards. And, my God, I'm on a masthead with him. So. What did you do before um, sports writing or baseball? I did children's books. Oh, really? Did you, you ever, really? You ever heard edit of? Them? Yeah, edit them. You ever heard of Kumon Publishing? Kumon. Yes. What are some of their books? Kumon is um, actually kind of like a learning center. Okay. Uh, and yes. I did their workbooks. Okay. And uh, uh, but more notable was the fact that I took like two hour craps um, <laughs> and read uh, baseball blogs. And uh, <laughs> it was funny too. Is it was kind of like my smartphone wasn't good enough back then. So I would um, print out like chats from fan <laughs> and BP. I would go into the bathroom with like 40 pages of printer paper and just read baseball. And then I would leave them in there. And I I'm friends with my, my old boss. And one time I made a joke about that and he's like, I knew what you were doing. I mean, I'd go in the bathroom and there'd be like a ream of baseball. I, I, I knew <laughs> I knew I, I knew it wasn't like irritable bowel syndrome. I knew what you were doing. <laughs> I used to burn podcasts to CDRs. 
before um nice. like before so you i can take it with you yeah like like in yeah. 2002 or like before it was prevalent to be able to just listen to oh, we had everything <clears throat> uh, i want to thank you so much that i immensely well, enjoyed myself this is a great conversation um i would I'd, I'd love to have a beer with you in person someday so if you ever find yourself out in uh I've never seen Full Tilt uh, in action. That you need to come it, out then. You'll get your slushy. Like weeks before it opened. Yes, yes, <laughs> I want a slushy. I gotta get back out there. Tell farmhouse breweries in uh, Virginia are really good. Uh, Vanish. Yeah. Yeah. Vanish, Vanish and, is there's amazing. Like a because there's like the farmhouse. There's a farm law there, and yeah, Van Vanish is probably like the premier one. Uh, Harper's Ferry also phenomenal wine. There you go. That's it. That's yeah, it. those, those, those are, two I were. Visit those. The, those two, and the, those are like a half hour outside of Frederick. They're right by us. Nice. Um, so it's I, a date. <laughs> I uh, I and flying well, Flying Dog probably is never going to open their tap room again. Um, but they also had beer slushies. Oh, why do you think they're never going to open again? I don't think they're going to. Um, there's they're not, there's they're just not doing well? rumor. No, they're doing well. They just I don't think their the tap, tap room manner no. matters to them. Uh, oh, they, I can see that. It isn't. It's closed indefinitely. Um, next mm. summer is the earliest that they said it's possible that it may reopen. Well, they're like they're like a package play, right? Like a package goods play. Like they're, yeah, yeah, they're, they're like way more stores and yeah. The, need, like, the amount of revenue that they made through their tap room was probably like under a percent compared to what sold through distribution. Like I see flying dog out here. So yeah. Um, but I'm out of beer, but I'll, yep. I'll say cheers with an empty one. Uh, thank you for the great conversation. Uh, thank you everyone for watching and listening. Cheers. Uncapped is brought to you with support from McClintock Distilling, Maryland's first and only organic certified distillery. They are well known for their award-winning gin and are rapidly growing a name for themselves for their matchstick bourbon and bootjack rye whiskey that have both won double gold at international spirits competitions. You can visit them in historic downtown Frederick along Carroll Creek for tours and tastings. Go to mcclintockdistilling.com for more information. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.